It is Saturday, the 18th of April, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 81 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So this episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different that we haven't done before. I'm going to be running through, there's a group on Facebook called the NZX Stock Market Investors Group. It's run by a friend of mine called Max. Um, I think there's nearly 3,000 members in the group now and basically what people, it's sort of like a messaging board, people post questions and there's threads and people answer and everything like that. So what I'm going to do is run through some of the recent questions that have been asked in the group um, and do my best to where possible answer them. So we'll get straight into it. Right, the first question is, and I'm, I'm not going to mention people by name, but I am going to read the question word for word and then do my best to answer it. So the first question is the most recent post on my screen at least is, what are everyone's favourite place to start putting money into the market, e.g. Hatch, Craig's, Sharesies and why? So just to start off, the, the two brokers that I use, I use direct broking for my New Zealand stuff. So direct broking, I think I first started using them back in 2008 and they've been owned by various different companies since that. They used to be ANZ. Um, then they were bought back recently and, and the name changed back to Direct Broking. If I think I was going to start up today, I would probably use ASB Securities. Um, I, I've also got an account through ASB Securities with the company that I'm involved with, but my main thing is Direct Broking. I think I'd probably find the ASB Securities interface a little bit nicer than Direct Broking, but they essentially do the same thing. Um, Sharesies, I've never used Sharesies. Uh, just looking at their, their brokerage now, so it's up to half a percent for orders up to three thousand dollars plus point one of a percent for orders above three thousand. So it's very cheap. Um, it's certainly probably, as far as I'm aware, the most cost effective way to do New Zealand shares. Um, ASB fifteen dollars up to a thousand dollars and thirty dollars over a thousand up to ten k, and after that, so point three percent. So it's quite it's quite a little bit more expensive on ASB. And it's similar numbers for direct broking. The reason I've stuck with direct broking is that there's been no real reason for me to change. The big difference for me, though, and the reason why personally I wouldn't go use a company like Sharesies is the ownership structure. So with companies like ASB and direct broking, the shares are held in your CSN, so your common shareholder number, um, and that's sort of assigned to you. So even if direct broking or ASB securities disappeared, the shares would still be owned for, by you. So sharesies hold the stocks in a nominee. Um, so basically what they say on their website is that shares are held in a, in a nominee company that is kept separate from the operational funds of the business. And you know it, it's probably one of those things that will all be okay. So basically what they're saying is even if sharesies themselves went out of business, your stocks wouldn't be affected. But then you think about, okay, what, what would happen if there's fraud? Or, you know, it's, I, I just prefer the, own, the ownership structure, having it in my own name, if that makes sense. You feel like you've got more control over it in that situation, but that's just a personal opinion. Hatch, I've never used Hatch. As far as I'm aware, they focus on the US and overseas markets in a similar sort of way, holding a nominee. Now, the United States is different. Most brokerages are going to hold the shares, they call it in, in street name over there, so in, in nominee. So for me, I use interactive brokers for the rest of the world um, outside of New Zealand. And you know, 
so you could say Hatch is the same ownership structure. I just prefer a company that's been around for a bit longer and Interactive Brokers has been around a long time. I like the platform. You know, people say it's a bit complicated to use, but it is it is how it is in the market. So that, that's why I prefer it. I think if you're going to use someone like Craig's, just to finish off the question there, I think if you're getting extra advice out of, out of Craig's, then that would be that it makes absolute sense. So if you're getting, you're going to pay higher brokerage at Craig's, but if you are getting a service that makes that brokerage worth it, or you know, it, it, a fantastic broker would even make you more money than the brokerage. So if you're getting that sort of service and advice with something like Craig's, then it would absolutely make sense. But if you're just you know doing it yourself and making your own decisions, then it wouldn't really make sense. And I guess if you're more into that wealth management side of things, then Craig's, Craig's makes a lot of sense. Next question. If ABA had a buyout ready at five sixty five, then anyone see why it's not a great punt at one dollar fifty? People need to still go to the bloody dentist. So ABA, Abano or Abano, I'm not sure how you say it, Abano Healthcare, they off- operate dentists in New Zealand. Um there was a takeover offer in the company. Um it was terminated at the end of March due to a material adverse change. Guess what the material adverse change was? It was the coronavirus. So I, I agree with the the questionnaire there. Do not I don't doubt the durability of going to the dentist. People will still have to do it in the future. That's an absolute that that's a no brainer. Um at least in the short term, maybe you're not gonna go unless it's desperate, like you you're not just gonna go for, to get your teeth cleaned at the dentist at the moment, are you? But in the long term, you know, p- people were still gonna pay for dental hygiene. Um I guess the question will be how long can they operate at a materially reduced revenue. Um, they do have some large staffing costs into St. Cheap. Um, they have large leasing costs and large large um, finance costs as well relative to the cash on their balance sheet. So, you know, it, it could very well be terribly cheap here um, or it, it could turn out to be expensive. It's, it's, it's like so many of these outcomes at the moment. You just don't know. It's so binary. Um, by binary, I mean there seems to be only two different ways it, it will go. There just doesn't seem to be any middle ground with things at the moment because what's happening at the moment is just so extreme. Um, so yeah, I, it could be a great punt here, and it might not. It also might not be. I wouldn't be surprised if they raise money, um, but I, I I just don't know the answer. It's going to be like that with a lot of questions today, people. I just, I just won't know the answer on many things. All right, next question. Hi everyone, new to shares. Well, I've opened opened an account with ASB Securities and Sharesies. I haven't purchased any share yet. I'm not going to invest a lot this year and start slow. Which is better, ASB or Sharesies? Well, I guess I've already answered that. My my main concern would be, you know, it'd be quite stressful if Sharesies went out of business, even if if the shares were held in the nominee. It would take a while to sort out. So that that's my opinion there. I've looked, and the question it goes on, I've looked into ANZ, Z, Auckland Airport and Air New Zealand. What's your suggestion and any other companies I need to look look at for the long term? You know, obviously, I'm not getting into financial advice here, but I, I guess in normal times, these would all be considered pretty good companies. Um, and I've said on the podcast before that Auckland Airport is the most, you know, close your eyes business in New Zealand in terms of what will still be around in 50 years time. But, you know, the, the short term future of it is certainly uncertain. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of putting all these into the, too hard basket at the moment really um 
I mean, figuring out what's going to happen with Air New Zealand, for example, you, you just don't know. I mean, how would you feel if you're the new CEO of Air New Zealand, Greg Foreigner? I think he has only just joined the company, it was the end of last year. And talk about unfortunate timing. I mean, can you imagine when he got handed the keys to the corner office at Air New Zealand? The handover would have been like, well, this is like the best time for airlines in history. Everyone is traveling, globalization's going mad. There's been a long period of low and stable oil prices. There's lots of global stability, really. Um, we've got a great brand. We're a monopoly competitors. Oh, there's Jetstar, but everyone hates them. And then boom, now he's in this shitstorm. I mean, <laughs> how about it? I mean, basically he's presiding over a, a forced, significant decrease in the size of the company. You know, he's he's... So yeah, I mean, other companies, all of those are long term, but in normal stuff, in normal, in normal circumstances, that be steals at this price. So if you imagine that, I don't know, Auckland Airport, for example, was embroiled in this temporary scandal with the whatever, and they lost some money or something happened, and the share price dropped down to these sorts of levels, you know, it'd be an amazing buy, but. You know that was in a world where there'd still be revenues, and you know just how this plays out, I I I don't know. Next question, I'm looking for a complete list of NZX companies with data such as EPS, NTA, and other fundamental information in an Excel format. Does anyone know where I can find such a file? You know you could make it yourself, and I know that sounds crazy, and it would take half a day. I mean, there's not that many companies in 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 New Zealand, but. I think if sometimes you you go and, and put that sort of thing together yourself, and I have done it with, with certain things, you, you learn a lot, not just in the process, but you pick up other things as well. Sometimes when the information, this is just my opinion, but and maybe it's just for me, but when information is just presented in an easy to sort of a presentable format that's easy to pick up and everything like that, you don't absorb it in the same way. That's just my view. But what I've done in the past, if you just want a quick way, um, there's... Uh, charting service online called TradingView. So you can go to www.tradingview.com and you can go to their share screener and on their share screener you can order, you can organise things in, in different columns and everything like that. I think you can do it without subscribing to it as well. I mean, I'm not subscribed to it and I can do it. I'm not sure how up-to-date some of the information is on NZX stocks, but then what you can do is you can copy and paste that into an Excel sheet and, and, and ban you've got an Excel sheet. So that'll probably be the best way. There'll be other services you can probably subscribe to and other platforms and, and everything like that. But I assume the, the the person posing the question just wants the most cost-effective way and that's what I would do. There might be other ones as well. I th- I'm pretty sure maybe Yahoo Finance, you might be able to figure out a way of, of getting some Excel sheets and everything as well. Right, next question, just a quick question. In, re- in current weeks, I wish I'd followed my instincts. Oh well, almost breaking even, and we've got a sad face emoji. Anyway, if you had to say 10k right now, what one company would you put it in and why? Not a very serious question, just interested in the way people think and the rationale. And then we've got a smiley face. I mean, I guess the first thing I'd say is... <sighs> I wouldn't really be measuring things by weeks at the moment. The reason prices are so volatile right now is because the outcomes are so are so uncertain. So price movements at the moment might not actually be as significant as what they seem. 
if that makes sense. Um, but I guess that question is, is too much like financial advice for me to answer, obviously. But I'm more interested in safety at the moment. So I, I'd probably look at companies that have still managed to pay their scheduled dividends through this period. I mean, it wouldn't be the only thing you look at, but it might be a good filter. Like if you look at the companies that have... St- you know, they just said they're going to pay a dividend on March 25th or whatever and actually paid it, or on April the 15th and they've actually paid their dividend. You know, it's 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 not the only thing you'd look for, but it's a, it's a data point that shows that at least these companies, rightly or wrongly, feel comfortable enough to be paying their dividend. That's probably a good place to start if you're looking for safety. Obviously, if you're looking for, for capital gain, I think you'd focus on the companies that have... That, had durable businesses before whose share price has been absolutely destroyed by these extraordinary circumstances and you'd make a call about whether they would prosper after this is over and if you take into other fact uh, you take into consideration other factors but that's where the biggest capital gains uh, will be had at least in the short term so you know it's it's sort of a, a typical risk versus reward situation but personally I'm I'm, I'm skating the I'm I'm more in the middle of the rink right now. I'm probably playing a little safer than other people. Next question. Hi everyone with an exclamation mark. Currently forty percent return on Air New Zealand shares. Should we hold or sell? Shares price is standing at one dollar thirteen New Zealand now. Cheers. And they did bounce up um quite dramatically. I think I remember I was answering a, a question from a listener in a email during the week and I think they were at 80 cents then so that is quite a significant jump in a short period of time it sort of it goes back to the previous question really I mean it's clearly financial advice that question but it seems like a pretty binary outcome for in New Zealand Um, it's either the you know things will return to normal pretty quickly and or the company is going to struggle for for a while and you know it's it's in the too hard basket for me personally at the moment but you know well done on a quick 40% return Right, the next question. Anyone following GEO NZX? Loving the nearly 400% jump especially. But does anyone know why? I wasn't expecting it to move this month. I mean, I don't, I've never heard of GEO actually in, in all honesty. This is the first time I'd ever come across the ticker code. And it's one of the good reasons to follow groups like this because every now and then, you know, you, you find out about something that you didn't know anything about. I mean... The question is right looking at the stock chart. There has been a jump in the stock price recently, but if you zoom out to any sort of time period on the chart, you know, the stock's gone from pretty much from what is it? I'm just looking on the computer now, from like a dollar per share to seven cents per share over a long reasonably long period of time. So it hasn't been a compounder or anything like that. I can't I've you know, I've never looked into the company so I don't know much about it. So everything I'm saying here is superficial. But it looks like about a six million dollar market cap. Looks like they have a subscription CRM service. Um so you know typical software as a service model. Um a quick glance at the financial state statements, it looks like they need to grow the revenues to bring the fixed costs down as a percentage of sales. At the moment, costs are over 100% of sales. So I don't really have any real view there. Um, these sorts of companies, obviously, if they do start achieving growth, will suddenly become attractive very quickly. So that that's what I'd basically be looking for if I was analysing this company is in a similar sort of way you'd analyse Pushpay. So you'd look at the, the total number of customers that they have and how that's increasing or decreasing over the periods and the number, the amount of money they're able to charge per customer on average. Those are the two key metrics for this sort of company. 
and that's what you'd look at. And you'd, you'd want to make, a, I guess, an assessment on the viability of the product as well. Because um, the good thing about these sorts of businesses is that if they do take off, they, they gain fantastic operating leverage. So that, that, those are the, the, that's what I'd be looking into if I was doing some research on this company. And maybe I will. Hey, exclamation mark. Best platform to build a portfolio long term and keep track dash monitor it. Smart shares? Question mark. As it is low fees and the shares are in your own name, however, keeping track of it doesn't seem very user-friendly. Shares ease? Question mark. You will soon be able to transfer shares to your own CSN number, so this could make it perfect? Question mark. Appreciate your thoughts. Well, I guess if you know, seems to be a lot of questions about sharesies and other brokerages and everything like that. But if that is the case and shares could be held in a CSN, it would make sharesies way more attractive, but that's just my view. Here's another question about sharesies. Sharesies does not give you an accurate date. It is always 30 to 35 minutes of difference. Does ASP Securities give you real-time data, real-time date, sorry, and also does it show how many orders are there and what price? I had an account with Commonwealth Bank and it is real-time and also shows you the orders as well. I don't know anything about Commonwealth Bank, but I know with ASB Securities, you can see the market depth and everything like that. I've never logged into sharesies, so I can't really comment there, but my guess is it's probably another drawback of having it in a nominee. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't really know the answer. In terms of the, the time difference, there is often time delays on quotes. The Basically, the reason for that is the NZX charges charges that out as a service, so you have to pay to get real-time data. Not sure I entirely agree with that, but it's a common thing with markets around the world. You know, if you're, if you're a long-term investor and you're, losing, and you're using limit orders, you know, it, it doesn't really matter about real-time data, in my opinion. You know, if if the stock's trading at a dollar and you enter an order at ninety cents and it doesn't get filled straight away, it's it's you know it, it has nothing to do with the data anyway. The market depth though is live on ASB Securities and on Direct Broking, so you know I always look at the market depth before placing an order. Vista Group had a trading halt. I think it was yesterday because they are raising capital. Now they are open again and the share price is up by more than twelve percent. What is your opinion on this? Vista is a company whose share price has had a 52-week high of $6.25 and a low of $0.90. Cents. So the market cap is t- the market cap's $250 million. You know, like, the profit on the last financial accounts was $12.8 million, and this is a company that's still trading at 20 times earnings. So you just think about the valuation that they were trading on before. If the high was six twenty five and the low is $0.90, cents, I think they're obviously higher than that now, but... Yeah, that's there's a sky high valuation. So they provide um software services, pay pay terminals and everything like that to cinemas around the world. So I actually like the cinema business in 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 general personally. Uh, I'm not saying I like Vista necessarily, but I like the cinema business. And the cinema business is a terrible business right now at this time. Um, the cinema business, the outcome for the cinema business is going to be really interesting. There's talk. You know, cinema companies are going to go bankrupt if this doesn't resolve itself pretty quickly. That that would be my guess. Um, uh, in terms of the Vista raise, I mean, you can understand it, right? This is a economic typhoon. I think that's what Charlie Munger described it as last night. And I can forgive companies like Vista for getting caught up in the storm. I, I never get excited about dilution, though. I, I guess they need to shore up the balance sheet like everyone else. At least they're not doing it at three times historical earnings like Catman do. Um, but still, it, it would be a lot less dilutive if they do, if I don't know if you happen to fluke it and do it at six dollars per share, you'd raise you know the same amount of money with with a whole lot less dilution. 
So yeah, they'll be shoring up the, the balance sheet. Next question is, what's everyone's thoughts on this? It seems like a really dumb decision. So the poster, he, he posted an article on stuff about suggesting an, an increased taxes after coronavirus. I sort of think that that article is a bit clickbaity, not from the poster, but from stuff. I, I probably think that high taxes is unlikely in the short term, although you could imagine it. I, I imagine efforts will be made to stimulate the co- economy, not tax the economy. But in the long term, it would be good to see us pay down the debt. I mean, the, the government's pumping a lot of money into the economy right now to make sure it doesn't burst. Um, so, you know, it, the money doesn't grow on trees, right? It's got to come from somewhere, so it comes from debt so I'd like to see them pay down that debt I think New Zealand is in a better place than a lot of countries because of our debt to GDP ratio being lower so I I, I do like to see them pay down debt so I think that's probably the case in the long term. All right there's some more questions on brokerage here next question what does everyone look at in a share before going to in-depth research to get an idea of if you should continue researching or if you're just wasting your time so I know pretty quickly if I'm interested in finding out more or not. I mean, I'll exclude whole industries just straight off the bat. I'm a bit of a snob. I'll just go, no, I'm not interested, not interested. I mean, if you pitch me a company, I'll know within two seconds if I'm interested in finding out more. But say I've found a company, you know, it's got past that two-second filter and I want to find out more about. Normally, I'll just go straight to the financial statement. So I'll look at revenue first. I like to see some historical revenue growth, like some sort of trend there. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's not the necessary like 30, 40, 50% per annum revenue growth. And growth. I mean, if anything, that might be a bit of a turnoff. But just to some, you know, steady ahead of GDP revenue growth. And growth. And I'll look at the margins next, um, gross margins and operating margins primarily. Um, then I'd, I'd have a look for strength in the balance sheet. You know, some sort of durability in the balance sheet, like they're not going to, there's not a question that they're going to go out of business the next day or anything like that. Then I look for positive cash flow from operations. That's a big thing for me. I like to see businesses that are producing cash or at least have the pathway to to produce cash. But I generally like to see it up front. And then I look at the share share count. I mean, I like to see it stable or decrease. And I very rarely would consider investing in a company that was rapidly growing their share count. And if it gets through those hoops, I'll start reading more about it that's that's probably yeah that, that, that's probably it in a nutshell um and yeah then, then you go straight to the annual reports and and you go from there right next question I, i've skipped a couple of questions here about um shares ease and hatch and everything like that because i don't want to be covering the same ground could someone help me with interpreting the graphs for stocks on direct broking what do ma30 and ma100 mean so that just stands for moving average 30 days and moving at it average 100 days somebody has gone and posted um, a link to investopedia um, with definitions of moving averages and understanding moving averages and everything like that investopedia is a, a great website any question or any term you can basically find on there so that, that's a place i would go for any definition that you want in terms of the moving averages themselves that's obviously a, a technical analysis term they, they they don't mean anything unless you think they mean anything pretty much and i guess for people that use it they're using it to aid in their decision making about a good time to buy or, or sell a a company based on the price movements Good question here. Does Z Energy own most, sorry, all dash most of its land that the petrol stations sit on? Edit. Extra question. Can you still buy stuff in the petrol station during petrol station shop during lockdown? I think I can answer that second one. I'm pretty sure I bought something the other day from the petrol station. Um, 
in terms of the the land, I don't think they own all the land, but they certainly own some. So they carry. You got to go to note eleven on their financial statements and annual report. So they carry three hundred twenty four million dollars of land on on their balance sheet. There is an interesting note there that says highest and best use. Z holds properties where the current market value and use is lower than the highest and best alternative use. However, Z holds these properties as part of its strategic network and therefore does not currently intend to change the use of these assets. The assets are recorded at the highest and best alternative use valuation. So they're holding it at the highest possible valuation that they can. But what they're essentially saying there is, you know, they could knock down some of those petrol stations and put apartment buildings and they would make more money from it in terms of the in, in that particular space. But if they were to do that, they would lose the value of having a network. Um, so I, I, it doesn't actually, you know, I'm, I'm reading this quite quickly, but it doesn't actually specify which ones are owned and which ones are, are leased as far as I can see. But my guess is it would be a bit of both. Has anyone noticed PaySource, NZXPYS, announcement regarding revenue growth up 122% and customer numbers by 80% for the quarter ending March 2020? So those are the two numbers to focus on with PaySource is the number of customers and the number of revenue per customer. Um, so PaySource is in, we had the CEO of PaySource on the podcast in the past, so go back and have a listen. Um, they've managed to do a reverse stock split since we had them on to basically reduce the number of shares that they had outstanding, which was the only way that they, that they needed to do that pretty much. Um, so those numbers are obviously big numbers, but it's off a very low base in terms of revenue relative to their market cap, I think of 80 million now, which is sky high. So they're certainly priced on future growth potential. There's an awful lot of growth priced into that stock price. So, you know, let's let's just see where where it will go. Um, you know, revenue grew from to 429k for the final quarter of 20 of the full year 20 so you know you 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 push that out into the future that's about you know even if they continue growing rapidly you're looking at sort of maybe two somewhere between two and five million dollars revenue for an 80 million dollar company you know it's a, a sky high valuation you know they're going to need more money in the future to continue growing so you'd almost like to see them raising more money at this sort of valuation that's what i'd be thinking um but you know that's that will be down to the if they think it's a good time to do that or not, or if they think they need it. Next question is, hey guys, what do people think of smart pay at the moment? Seeing they've increased quite a bit, how how do you think the takeover bid by Verifone will impact them? Um, just reading quickly about this, I was meant to do a, a, a bit more of an episode about this. I had a question on about the, this about Twitter the other day and I thought I was going to get time to do it, but I haven't. Um, it looks like there's still some issues with the takeover. Obviously, it's a difficult time at the moment as well. So I need I need to come back to this one on a future episode. So I do apologise. Hey all, does anyone use Stockopedia to evaluate their stock purchases, etc.? And if so, I would like to hear about your experiences and your opinions. I've never used. Is that different to Investopedia? I'm just looking now. I've never used Stockopedia to be honest. I can't really comment on that. Oh, it's a stock screening and ratings app. So okay, maybe I'll, maybe it's saying I'll I'll have a play around with us after the podcast. Right, next question. Thanks for all your advice on my first post a week ago. We've just been watching rather than chucking too much in at this stage. I think we put about 6k in here and there and these have all gone up slightly apart from in New Zealand. Obviously, since this post, the Air New Zealand stock has probably increased quite a bit. Hopefully this person held on to it. But I'm really tempted to take our 170k floating brackets, yep, borrowed, and stick it somewhere that will 
give a gain over the next few weeks as we come out of lockdown and then withdraw the initial 170k and leave what we've made in. If we choose carefully, how can we go wrong with this? We won't pay tax on the principal, just the profit, so why not? Um, I mean, obviously, that's straight down the level of personalised advice. One thing I, I would say is that the poster is making the assumption that the stocks are going to be higher when they want to withdraw their money. So, yeah, I guess what if they're not would be my first question. Um, borrowing money to buy shares, I'm not as opposed to it as, as what many people are. One thing I would say is that you, you've got to be careful about having... You know, it seems like this particular poster has borrowed the money off the market and has put it into the market, which is the safer way of doing it. A, the interest rates might be lower, and B, you know, you're not going to get margin called. I guess the the worry in, in most cases is that people that are borrowing money are doing it through a broker, in which case the, you know, your capital requirements going to be dictated by the share price and you could get margin called, which, you know, if you were trading on margin heading into March, for example, you, you're probably no longer a stock market investor. So that's the risk there. So yeah, I can't really comment too much on that. Um, can anyone please tell me what the difference between diluted EPS and basic EPS, which one which one to use finding PE ratio? Thank you. I actually responded to this one myself. I just posted a link to Investopedia that has most of the definitions. Basically the diluted, or well, EPS is earnings per share. So the profit divided by how many shares there are. So that would be your basic earnings per share. Diluted earnings per share includes the dilutive impact of potential stock options that need to need need to that that will be you know vested in the future, for example. Um, so that's the difference there. It doesn't really matter too much in most cases which one you use to find the PE ratio to answer the second part of that question. I would probably use the diluted just to be a bit more conservative, although. The, the the basic EPS is probably more relevant to what the company has earned this year because, remember, that hasn't been diluted yet. But I'd, I'd probably use the diluted just to be more conservative, but that's just me. Um, this chap posted a, a good resource for, for petrol prices. Um, all right, last couple of questions. What has been the max drawdown in your portfolio lately? And there's a couple of different options you can select from. Mine's one of the the top option was over twenty percent. Mine's been over twenty percent, so I can <laughs> I'd be ticking that box. Um, was wondering how the New Zealand stock would be would move if government considers converting nine hundred million loan to equity. Who knows what's going to happen with here in New Zealand? I mean, that's the the two big common questions on on this today have been what's shares ease and what's going to happen with here in New Zealand. Um, my guess is that unless they have to, the government won't wipe out the equity holders of Air New Zealand just because it's such a widely held stock in terms of... It'd be, it'd be one of those things that's devastating for confidence, right? If the government wipes out... I mean, they'd be fully entitled to do it, in my opinion, if, especially if they have to prop up the company. I mean, if it was a private transaction, that's what would happen. Um, but my, my gut feel is that they probably won't wipe out the equity holders. They may dilute the equity holders significantly, um, but they probably won't wipe them out just because, you know, I don't know how many thousands of people own here in New Zealand in one form or another and the news story it would make and everything like that. That's that's a bit more my political answer, but my, the actual answer is they'll be more than entitled to, but I don't know. Um, can anyone recommend a Facebook group that focuses on investing in the US stock market? 
I don't know a, a Facebook group, but I can recommend another podcast. Um, there's a there's a really good podcast out there that was actually recommended to me by a listener called Focus Compounding. Um, they talk about everything in the right sort of way. Um, it's a much better podcast than this one, by, by the way. Um, they talk about everything in the right sort of way. They focus on typically small and small US companies. You're not gonna you're not gonna go on there and talk about Apple and Facebook and everything like that. But they're 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 digging around for really small US stocks, but they think about everything in the right sort of way so the lessons can be applied to basically any investor. Right, any recommendations on a share market one oh one podcast? A few people recommended this one which I much appreciate. But like I just said in the in the previous question, I'd recommend that focus compounding podcast. I think the um in the United States um, Motley Fool do I'm not, I'm don't subscribe to any Motley Fool services, but I find their podcasts quite entertaining. I think the host Chris Hill is an an excellent podcast host, and and that's what I recommend listening to. I wouldn't do it for advice or anything like that, but if you like just keeping up what's happening with big companies in the United States, it's probably a good one. Um, anyone know how I can find the top ten to twenty shareholders in a company? I saw someone post a while back for VHL but can't remember where they got the screenshot from. So you find it in the in in the towards the end of an annual report. It's got the top twenty shareholders in New Zealand and Australian companies. Um so you can find it there. I always like to have a glance over that. Um next question is anyone expecting the market to drop thirty percent over the next couple of months? I wouldn't say I'm expecting it, but I wouldn't be surprised by it at the moment in all honesty. Um but yeah, that's just my opinion. Next question is, should we invest now or wait for more events to unfold? Yeah, the question is, yes, invest, no, wait, unsure, far too early. We're expecting a dead cat bounce now and obviously depends which stock. I'd probably go obviously depends which stock. Um, you know, there's there, there could be a point where the prices are just so obvious on certain things that you should just jump on into it. Um, it's, that that's just, yeah, I would say depends on the stock would be my answer there. Hey everyone, is there any benefit investing in individual companies if you already invest in the FNZ, which is the NZX Top 50, and the same companies you are in there as well? Probably a stupid question, not a stupid question. Um, obviously your ETF investing there into the Top 50, I guess the the benefit would be is if you felt strongly about a particular company, you can invest in that directly and then essentially overweight your exposure to it from what you already have in the ETF and that would that would be the the way to go about it so I'm just picking this randomly but if you felt that push pay was a really fantastic investment it's in the NZX 50 and you wanted to you know if you wanted to have an overexposure to that then the benefit of doing that if you and if push pay performed really well is that you get an outsized return relative to the market so that's the benefit there um, not, not a difficult one Hi all, does the share price of a stock typically rise or fall shortly after dividend payment announcement or even once a dividend has been paid? I'm sure you could do like a statistical analysis of what happens before and after dividends, whether there's a ramp up to the ex-dividend price, but the share price should always fall after dividend has been paid. So for example, if you've just assume you've got a company that makes no money, um, it doesn't have any costs and it's just got $1 billion in the bank. Obviously, that's a, a completely theoretical example. And there was one share outstanding, $1 billion in the bank, then the market cap should theoretically be $1 billion. 
if there was going to be no future growth or anything like that. And then they decided to pay out a $500 million dividend, then the share price would of course drop to $500 million because suddenly they don't have $500 million cash in the bank and the stock is worth less. So that's just the way of, of thinking about it. And that's what basically... <laughs> That's, that's the chat about dividends and retained earnings and everything like that. So if, if Warren Buffett had always paid out a dividend when he, when he bought into Berkshire Hathaway, then the stock Berkshire Hathaway wouldn't be worth what it's worth now. But instead of paying out dividends, they've always reinvested those dividends and always at a high rate of return. So that's the, that's the difference there. Next question, and it's a good one, is am I right in thinking if a PE ratio is low, then the price is fair or potentially even undervalued? but a high PE can be interpreted as potential for future earnings. How then is the ratio analyzed as favorable or not? Appreciate there's a heap of other factors, but this is just about PE, thanks. Now, I think the key bit in that question is the put bitty bit in brackets saying, appreciate there's a heap of other factors, it's not just about PE. And that, that you know, the answer is it depends, but in terms of a sweeping generalization, a, a higher PE is, Typically, the, the market is valuing higher because they either think the earnings are really stable for the company or they are anticipating a lot of growth in the earnings part of that equation. And a, a low PE, you could say the opposite. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that because it's got a high PE, that it'd be a good, good or a bad investment and, and vice versa. It's, it's not enough to, to look at just on its own. Right, I'll finish on the final question it's nzx versus investment property what's outperformed over what's outperformed what over 10 years i understand there are a number of factors but say you invested the same sum in both and you use the entire nz property increase rate what one so basically you're saying there what's one the market or property across all of new zealand in general now investment property in new zealand is has been a great investment if you look at almost any period of time over history, and I suspect over a long enough period of time that will continue in the future as well. But in terms of just to answer his question specifically, and if you invested the same sum in both, then you would expect an outperformance on the sh in the share market over a long period of time because businesses in general are going to outperform property. And I would say you could do that at, at any time in history. Now, we're not talking about individual investment properties and everything like that. So if you manage to buy a get a great deal and invest a lot, some money into it and improve the value and, and flick it on, then you're going to make a, a very good annualised return. But if, as, in terms of like a buy and hold over a long period of time, stocks should outperform. Now, there's probably a lot of property inv investors screaming at their headphones right now saying I'm wrong, and I am wrong, because the, the reason why properties normally outperform or often outperform stocks is because of leverage is involved. Um, so typically you're not going in with a 10 or 20% deposit on your stocks and, and you know, just in, in buying them that way like you are with property. And that's why property is often a better investment for people because the return on equity is a lot higher. Um, but in terms of if you were to invest, say, unleveraged by a million dollar property and buy a million dollars worth of investments over a 10-year period, then the return on the stocks will most likely, but not definitely, be better. And that's that's always been pretty much the case, but the leverage in property has often left people with better returns because of it. 
Right, that's about all we have time for today. <laughs> I intended on ending that on a couple of different occasions, but I basically just kept on going as more and more questions kept on coming. And look, I could keep on going on this group for a long time, but we've got to end it at some point. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this way we did this one. If it's something you got a lot out of, then I would, I'll do it again in the future. Um, as a reminder that nothing that I said should be considered financial advice. Um, if you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Share it with your friends also. Email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 81 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Saturday, the 18th of April, 2020. We'll see you all again next week.